Welcome to the Global Watch Prayer Podcast. Thank you for joining us as we build community in prayer to empower the church from local expressions to global connections. For more information and resources on the Global Watch, visit theglobalwatch.com. Kia ora everyone, welcome to Global Watch. This watch is hosted by the ANZACs and it's been led by Aotearoa New Zealand today. Today we're honoured and really blessed to have with us Keith Newman as our guest speaker. Keith is from Aotearoa New Zealand and he's joining us online today. Before introducing Keith and inviting him to speak to us, we're going to have a himine, which is a song of worship, and I'll open us in prayer before introducing Keith. So Alison, thank you. You can put our worship song. Okay, the song that's come up is Praise Is What I Do. Is that correct? That's right. Good, okay. So Heavenly Father, we praise you and we thank you. We sit in your presence today. And Father, as we hear what is going to be spoken to us today, may we listen and may we hear that our souls may live. Father, that the impartation of what is communicated today to us may be imparted in this nation of Aotearoa New Zealand, but also in the nations of the globe that are on with us today. In Jesus Christ's holy name, amen. Amen. So as I introduce Keith, I just want to mihi to Keith. Keith, it's wonderful to have you online with us today with Global Watch as you share with us and with covenants today. And Keith, Keith is a well-known, authentic researcher here in New Zealand. He is also a historian and a New Zealand author. But what I would love to say about Keith is I've had the privilege to sit with him and be in meetings with Keith. And he is a Tungangi. He is a brother to us here in Aotearoa, New Zealand. So on that note, Kaya koe Keith, o mai hari mai. So welcome, Keith. The forum is yours now uh, to speak. Tirangi Marie, may peace be with us as we as we talk, as we speak into an important subject about about kawanata, about covenant, about learning to love one another in a way that makes a difference. Not loving from a distance, but kanohi, kiti kanohi, even digitally connecting. I'm a bit concerned because I saw my camera flick off before. So if it goes off, I might have to revert to my other phone, which I have going on here as well. And we really do live in changing times and technology is challenging us all, particularly as we get to a certain age. And I'm amazed at what we're discovering about the planet in which we live. I know the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, but we're still discovering. We talk about scientists and we talk about inventors and all the rest of it. We're just discovering what God has already put there. He named the stars. He called them by their name, for goodness sake. And when you look at that James Webb telescope, I don't know how many of you have seen some of the images that are coming from the deep space. And it's just God's artwork. It's his poetry. And I look at that and I just go, wow, all over again. With all the technology that distances us, I think he's trying to say to us, I want to connect to you in a much more holistic way than you have perhaps understood in the past. I'm big. I'm connected. All things are... You're part of my papa. I see that phone's gone out. You're part of my papa. Our Heavenly Father says that in the beginning, 
was the word and the word was was with me and it became flesh and dwelt among us and sometimes I think he wants us to wake up to just how enormous his creation is and that we are made in his image and he wants us to appreciate the imprint that he has on the whole of creation and this whole idea of um the winds of change blowing through has got me excited. God, you're up to something. And I hear a whisper. You hear all the negativity. I heard this story the other day that Timatatini, the gathering together of the tribes, and one, one tribe got up and said, it's time to turn away from Christianity and go back to the old gods. That's where the real treasures are. And I was upset about that. Then somebody came back to me and said, no, if you listened to what all of the various iwi around the country at Matatini were singing, they were singing praises to God. They were honoring God. So we've got to be careful not to just listen to some of these side voices that make good coverage in the media and realize that God is up to something around the motu, around the world indeed. But I think in Aotearoa, he is, is such a young nation at the edge of the world, where the sun first rises, the furthest nation from Jerusalem, the last nation to be colonized. We've got such a short history in terms of colonization, but when we think in terms of Māori, having been here for over 800 years, they've created their own history. They've got their own story in this nation, and we've only, I think, just begun to listen to how deep and wonderful that story is. This whole thing about Maturanga Māori is quite controversial for some people. Again, just to come back to some of those things that I'm saying, we're coming of age down here in the Pacific, I think, and with Matariki last year for the first time, we were given the opportunity to understand the Māori New Year instead of the white Christmas and all of those jingle bell things that sometimes dominate your culture. We're coming into a place where we're realizing that we're in the Pacific and there's treasures in the Pacific. And I think it's a growing up. It's a coming of age. And I think God was brooding over this land right from the beginning. He was brooding over Māori people. He was brooding over the missionaries. And he did something extraordinary here. And the, the alignments that occurred for those missionaries to come here, those meetings that happened that you could not have planned in any way at all if you weren't under divine guidance, really brought the missionaries here at a critical time in 1814. And I think if we're going to talk about the Treaty of Waitangi, we cannot ignore the fact that those missionaries, Samuel Marsden, those relationships with Tipahi in the far north and with Ruatara, they set the foundations for an extraordinary relationship that continues to, to this day. And if we try to remove that spiritual component, then we miss the point of what the treaty was. The treaty was a Kawanata, a covenant that had to be signed, really. And I don't think it could have been it could have been realized without the missionaries and with without Māori understanding and trusting that the missionaries represented not only a political power, but they didn't at the time, but a spiritual power with Queen Victoria being the head of the Anglican Church. So there was there, there's a whakapapa there that really takes us into a, into into a, a, an interesting challenge is what are we going to do with that today when everything becomes so politicized? And the risk is, of course, that when a lot of 
politicians and lawyers get hold of documents, they unpack them and they create precedents and they do all the rest of it. But the Treaty of Waitangi signed in 40 between Māori and the Crown and by default all of us who are here who are, who are partners to that established a covenant, a relationship, not a transaction that's to do with money or a legal agreement, which is what it is, but about relationship. And that whole idea of hey, iwi tahi tato, that is so misread so often, is actually scripture. And it says, it's like that scripture that talks about Jesus saying, I want to bring down the dividing walls between two peoples in order that you really see each other. You know that movie Avatar, I don't know whether you've seen it, I like the greeting, and it's, a, it's an indigenous greeting, I see you, and I think this is what God loves, I, I see your heart, I see your intentions, I see that your goodwill here, and I want to work with you in that, and I think that's what the treaty was really about. Yes, there were challenges. Yes, the New Zealand company had come to Aotearoa imagining that this was the great land grab. And they did. Prior to the treaty, they were offering all sorts of trinkets and saying, we'll buy all the land as far as the eye can see and set up our own colony. And this was truly upset by the fact that the treaty was signed because then there had to be an investigation. But Henry Williams, who translated the treaty and was on his way, had been in Wellington at the time, and he couldn't catch up with the New Zealand company ship that was out here offering all those trinkets for the land at a time. And Marty didn't fully understand what they were doing, was called to go back to the Bay of Islands and translate this document that became the Treaty of Waitangi. And he had an overnight capability of doing this. So it took him and his son, Edward, who grew up knowing te reo Māori as his first language, now is to translate that. And they came up with the best understanding that they possibly could to agree to this arrangement that we commemorate on the 6th of February every year. And it is a commemoration. It's not yet a celebration because there's a lot of unfinished business still to sort through. But as I said, be young nation. And that's what a covenant is about, isn't it? It's like a marriage relationship. You have to work stuff through. You have disagreements with your partner. You go and sleep in separate beds for a while. You argue over issues. But if you have aroha, if you have that covenant and you want to honor it, you work it out. And the result is you become stronger as a result of it. I think we're at a time when we're still having to work out some of the details in Aotearoa as to what this relationship, this founding document is going to mean in the future. Māori are very smart in that they've been working on what they have as a vision for 2040, the 200-year anniversary of the treaty, and it's come together in a number of documents, Kamai, or Rise Up, which is just a challenge to all of us really, isn't it, to rise up from mediocrity, from stuck places, from tradition, from legalism, and to use our imagination and begin to think what kind of future do we want, what kind of place do we want to live in the future. And then there's the United Nations Declaration of the Rights of Indigenous People, which we're committed to. So how do we do this as a nation? And there's been lots of discussions about what this would look like. And it talks about co-governance, which is one of the principles of what the treaty was all about. How do we do this together? How can we offer the, how can we honor this treaty 
of that started off with a declaration of independence and the talk of sovereignty and tenoranga Māori have come up with this vision for the future that really is quite exciting but it's a discussion and there's a lot of pushback from people who are going oh they're going to take over hang on Māori have been taken over for a long time and we're just coming to a place of balance a place of bringing things into the light where we can truly see what that relationship what was meant and I think if we go back this is I really want to apologize again I keep getting shut down stop the video stop the audio and this must be painful to watch no it's wonderful Keith continue (laughs) I'm going to persist and we'll do whatever we can but really it was humanitarian Christians in London part of the Clapham sect really ended slavery in London with people like William Wilberforce. So we're connected into a global thing. And it was time for the Pacific. And it was it was James Stephen Jr., the nephew of Wilberforce, who affirmed that Māori interests were, were to be protected. Britain doesn't own it. We've got to do this different than we've done in other nations where we've caused great difficulty with Indigenous people. We've caused a lot of problems. We can't do that. So that's the undergirding thing here. The British didn't want to come and establish a colony here because they had colonies enough. They already had problems recovering after the Napoleonic Wars, but this was now forced on them because the New Zealand Company were here acquiring land, because the whalers and sealers and traders were lawless, because Māori had been pleading with Britain and saying, you need to come and look after your own people here, and there's chaos, and you're not even looking after the laws that you've presented in your own country. So these Christian people in the colonial office were saying, here's our opportunity to do something different. And these are, this is when the instructions for the Treaty of Waitangi were written up by James Stephen Jr., passed on to Lord Normanby, given to Hobson, who presented it shortly after he'd arrived in the country and 18 hours after Henry Williams and his son had translated it. And there was a hui. There was a discussion. It went on all day. We don't want, we don't want a governor for us. And then somebody else would step up and say, yeah, you guys are bringing in too many barrels of rum and you're taking off with our woman and you're not paying for the timber that you're getting. No, yes, we do. We want the Christians to come and be here. There was a debate like there is on the marae. At any time, important discussions are undertaken until it was finally agreed on the 6th of February, 1840, to sign it. And Horni Heki stepped up. He was the first one. You might remember he's the one who cuts down the flagpole later when he realizes that the treaty's not being honoured and he signed it. He saw himself as a friend of Henry Williams. He would walk around with the Bible under his arm evangelical person so he was quite a radical and he stepped up and he signed and then everybody followed afterwards and it was really just a challenge at that point do Māori fully understand what it is that they've signed and it was Colenso who took the notes of what had happened there and then Governor Hobson said if Māori don't understand it's not my problem and then Honihiki said the missionaries they will explain it to us, they will watch over us, they will take care of what happens next. So really, we cannot step aside and say that this is a political agreement that was established because the missionaries were very much involved in it. They'd built relationships with Māori for 26 years. They knew the language, they knew the heart of the people, and the words that were used predominantly had come from their understanding and the literacy that had been gained through understanding and learning 
understanding the Bible in their own language. Māori were hugely illiterate, more literate than a lot of the sailors and whalers and sealers who were still inscribing crosses on documents. Māori would have elaborate signs or sign or wrote beautiful letters. There was a whole communications revolution going on, and this was the signing of the Treaty of Waitangi, and Henry Williams said he did his best to avoid expressions of the English where there was no term or expression in Māori that would, that would contain the spirit and tenor of what was intended with the Treaty of Waitangi. This document that was so neglected and within three years had been so abused and forgotten about that, that we're only just really beginning to grasp it again and recognise that this is indeed a covenant. Otherwise, we're like other nations taken over by force. But instead, there's a heart here. There's a heart of the gospel. There's the heart of God in the Treaty of Waitangi. The Bible and treaty go together in my concerns, because I think that if you take the Bible away, you've simply got a political document that lawyers will argue over forever. But if we've got the peacemaking principles of the gospel, and we've got that heritage of the missionaries that we pick up as the church today, and we say, how can we do this together? And the only way to do it is not to be having lots of debates about it, but actually build relationships to have with each other, to love each other, to honour each other, to embrace our Māori brothers and sisters. Hey, iwi tahi tato, as Governor Hobson said, as he shook the hands or gave a hongi to all of the chiefs, we two peoples together can make a great nation. But the moment you take that spiritual component out, and we're seeing it come back in lots of ways, is that Māori are spiritual people and they love the gospel and they took the gospel with them the Māori sought the gospel copies of the bible of the gospels as soon as they were available they became more important than acquiring muskets this became a life transformational engagement to read the words from another indigenous people, the Jewish people, the stories about their tribal heritage, the stories about their love for one another, and Māori got it. They got the whakatauki, they got the proverbs, they got the stories that this fits in with our culture. This is something we can get excited about. And before the missionaries even left the far north where they were afraid to move because of the musket wars, Māori were taking the gospel to their own people. So when it came to signing on that day, Māori had an understanding that this was a spiritual kavanata. This was a marrying together of two people. This was an ending of what a covenant means to end the dispute or the issues between two peoples or enemies. This was a breaking down of the walls and we're still working on it all of this time later and we have a chance to gain hold of a vision of what is this going to meet to mean in this young country where the sun first rises. I think Aotearoa has an opportunity to showcase to the rest of the world how we can work out the issues of the treaty as two peoples together making a difference because we're going to need each other in the future. We're all going to need each other because th there are so many challenges coming out there. We've just had this cyclone Gabriel come through that's just been devastating and prior to that we've had floods and we've had COVID and there's so much going on at this disruptive time and technology is moving so quickly isn't it with artificial intelligence. Now I could be 
be an artificial intelligence generated image talking to you now if I hadn't kept cutting out you might believe that but what are we going to believe in the future what misinformation is being translated to us we're going to need incredible and the ability to be able to hold on to the words that God whispers to our hearts in this much more holistic view that I think he wants to bring us into, not just like a spreadsheet looking straight ahead that the numbers might line up, but looking at the heavens and seeing the wonders of the stars by night and looking at all the revelations that are coming to us through science and revelation. And as we read the gospel, as we read those words, I think we're in a time of revolution. But I would like to think that if we use our imagination and we allow the scriptures to renew our minds and we understand what God was intending through the Treaty of Waitangi way back in 1840 and what he wants to do now because time doesn't stand still, our imaginations might be increased and we might see new ways of understanding because I think it's time for a fresh way of thinking, a fresh way of understanding how is God speaking to us in the times that we're in. We can't keep going back to David and Goliath and the sling shot technology has come so much ahead of times so i was talking to my friend owen punama who's in in the war zone at the moment i was discussing it with him the other day and he said the high-tech giants are using new drones and high-tech technology and laser beams and all the rest of it for new kinds of warfare for goodness there's a wake-up call for us to get with the new technology. What's the technology that God has given us? What are the answers that he's going to provide for us? If there's warfare in the reality, there's warfare in the spiritual space. And a lot of it is warfare against God's people and the, the spirit of revelation. While we're in the midst of a revolution technologically and every other way, I like to think that maybe we're in the midst of a, re, of a revelation. And maybe it's a revelationary revolution. Time for fresh things about all of the challenges that face us today because so many of the systems that we have, whether it's in church or government or whatever, are past their use-by date. We need to learn from each other. Māori have so much to bring to the picture. The Indigenous perspective of a world that is connected, that is much more intuitive, that is much more poetic, is exciting. And I think we have an opportunity to glean so much and not to get caught up in what, what we're being locked down with and you, all the consenting and the, the box ticking and all the rest of it. When you have a disruption, when you have a chaos, people are something is drawn out of people to do things differently. During the, the cyclone Gabriel that came through and during the floods in Australia and during the crises that have happened in other parts of the world, there's a goodness in people that comes forward and says, never mind what I'm doing, I'm going to love my neighbor. And isn't that what God calls us to do? He restores us into relationship with himself in order that we might be in better relationship with each other. He doesn't care about our denominations. He doesn't care about the color of our skin, but he's given each nation, each people group, each language and people something unique. And the more we learn from each other and what those nations and people groups have grasped through their experience of the world, we get a much broader picture of who God is. 
our God is an incredible God. Not only does he call the stars by name, but he calls us by name. And when he sets something in place like the Treaty of Waitangi or Titiriti or Waitangi, then there's a purpose in there. If the missionaries were behind it, then the church is going to be part of it. It's got to be part of it. We can't close our doors and keep programs that are imported from somewhere else, we need to start listening to the rhythms in our own nations, the rhythm of the land. What is the sound that is coming up from the land that you live in? What is the sound that's coming up from the street or the town that you live in? There's something special. There's something unique that God wants to draw out of us that we might connect with our neighbor, that we might learn that love is not just a four-letter word, but it's the connection that holds everything together. Māori got a hold of this idea of Hiruharamahau, or the New Jerusalem, and they understood it better than a lot of us do. We're still trying to go, oh, this is a big cube city coming down from heaven that's going to land in the Middle East at some stage in the future in our end times map. What if it's you and I as living stones built together in love into a city of God? And that's mystery, that's wonder, that's beautiful. But how can we be living stones in the framework of this new city that Christ has come to announce if we don't even look at each other and talk to each other and accept dignity in each other and learn and listen and bring something fresh to this beautiful picture that God wants to bring in this time and age. The scripture doesn't stand still. And I love it when you get in there and every time you read some of these revelations, they still they just renew your mind. They bring a fresh understanding. And so much of it is poetry. So much of it is song. So much of it is metaphor. And Māori language is often like that. It's one thing is said, but when you get into it, there's depth of meaning and it keeps giving. And the gospel keeps giving, doesn't it? And something like the Treaty of Waitangi can keep giving if we use our imagination and start to consider, how do I fit into this picture? What's my part in this picture? What are my giftings? What can I bring to the table? How can I be the best friend I can be to my Māori or Indigenous brother and sister? How can I come out of my lockdown place, out of my house and out of my place where I'm locked in with a theology and be part of the poetry? We are God's poetry. It says that we look in the mirror and we hardly see who it is that we're called to be. But we're God's poetry. And the more you read poetry, the more we unpack and become part of something. We're part of history. We're called to be part of this future. So I think we're called to be a visionary people. Without a vision, the people perish is one understanding. Or it's also without a vision, the people wander aimlessly. Sometimes the best vision is to speak hope into each other's lives. I think one of the gifts that is so missing in the body of Christ is the gift of encouragement. I see you. I see what you did. I see your gift. I saw how you loved on that person. I saw how you sat with that person outside that cafe who was homeless. I saw that you bought them a cup of coffee, but you didn't just do that. You sat with them and talked with them and learned a little of their stories. This is story time. It's time to share our stories because we're part of a bigger story. And if we share it, then we begin to learn from each other. And that goes viral. We've got 
we've got Zoom and we've got Facebook and we're learning all of this stuff, but sometimes we're bombarded with so much information it's hard to deal with. It's time to find in us what it is that we have to share and not just buy into all the memes, but be part of the shifts and changes, this revolution that we're in the midst of, this hurihanga ho, this um, wind of change this in this turbulent time. And yes, we've got the Treaty of Waitangi, and yes, we've got the United Nations making all sorts of claims on how, how it would like the world to be framed, but we've also got the body of Christ, and Christ wants to frame us in a particular way. So why do we sit on the sidelines? Why do we sit in the pews? We're all involved in the... My, my mum's going to be 90 next year, and she's a prayer warrior, and she loves it. She loves wandering around the streets and praying for people. She loves sitting at night and getting the groan of the spirit, praying for revelation, praying for healing. And there's a lot of invisible people that you wouldn't even know. And you guys are probably part of this, just praying. And it's a powerful thing to do. I probably wouldn't have come into the kingdom if it hadn't been for my mother praying and getting a revelation. And I think there's a whole lot of people out there sitting in the background who are really on the front line of breaking things through so that something fresh can happen in our nations. So that fire can begin to be stoked. So that that fire of the gospel that was established in Aotearoa in 1814 that sits there underneath underneath the, the Treaty of Waitangi, which we get lost in all the political talk. But no, God's got that. He's got a purpose and a plan for Let's live the truth. This must be giving me the pauses that I'm most meant to be having in my conversation. I'm being forced to slow down because my technology is shutting down on me. I must get that seen too. But it is a privilege to be here with you today and just to be sharing. I had so many things to say, but sometimes it's just, it just, you just got to sit with what it is. We two peoples together make a nation. We many peoples together make a body of Christ. That's been interpreted as a, as a shared humanity. Humanity, a reciprocity, which is another interpretation of that word used for utu, which is often seen as revenge, but it's not. It's a bringing a balance. It's a bringing of reciprocity, and it might be about manakitanga or hospitality. Hospitality is another wonderful gift in the body of Christ, and Māori are hugely hospitable. When things go belly up, whether it's an earthquake in Christchurch or whether it's homelessness, What's the first place to open up the local marae, all the beds, the kitchen? Nobody has to ask them. And then the health people come in later and say, oh, you shouldn't have done that. Never mind. It's much easier to ask for forgiveness sometimes than permission. It's time to get on with it and stop getting caught up in all the box ticking. You know, there's farmers here who can't get their cattle out of the fields that have lost all the grass across the field to where there is grass because they have to apply for a consent to be able to build a bridge to get their cattle across and that's the resource management act and that could take weeks in the meantime their cattle are going to die so what do the kiwis do what's that good spirit of aotearoa get on and we'll do it ourselves and we'll take the consequences later on because looking after my neighbor looking after my cattle comes first i'm not going to sit there and let some bureaucrat who's never been in a cow shed tell me what to do and i think this is the urge that we get locked down so much in legalism 
we get stuck that we don't get on with being who we're called to be. And sometimes it's breaking the rules. What a terrible thing to say. Legalism is a spirit crusher. The spirit leads where the spirit goes. And sometimes all is the wind rustling in the trees because you don't know where it come from, but you might get swept up in that and you might be part of the revolution. So I think in this country, Aotearoa, where the sun first shines, we have something. We have a deposit here. And I don't think we appreciate what it means to be out on the edge where creative things happen, where God can do amazing things, but we're not here to sit here and watch all the technologists and all of the other inventors do it. As Christians, we're called to be engaged in whatever it is that you were called to do. And every single one of us is part of us. Not anyone is left out of God's big plan. And like the body, even the smallest parts, the fingernail, I could talk about ruder parts. Some people think they're the brain. Brain is made up of many parts. And you hear the idea of the hive mind, all of our minds together. And we keep talking about how we're going to enhance each other. And one day we'll become gods. No, forget that. It's God's business. And he wants us to be part of his body, of his hands and feet, on his Turanga Waiwai, on the way that he wants to do things. And if we're tuned in, we will find ourselves connected with the right people at the right time and to me that's the most exciting thing about being part of the body of Christ is you don't know who you're going to meet and you don't know the purposes that are in that arrangement that you might meet when you step outside your front door and just talk to your neighbor that neighbor might be the person that comes to your aid might be your future business partner might be the person you borrow a cup of sugar off or a generator off when the power goes out we've got to rebuild community at a practical level and I think that's what the treaty is about about. It's about hey, iwi tahitato, we two people together with the walls of division cut down. We've got to look each other in the eye and go, you're my brother, you're my sister. How can we meet together? How can we love on each other? How can we support each other? How can we be part of God's big plan? They might not know about God's big plan, but if you do, it might become contagious and you might get excited about knowing each other. I reckon that one of the big things is that God's got lots of friends out there for us that we haven't met yet. And if we start thinking like that, then we start to see, hey, God's just not interested in Christians. He didn't die on that cross. He didn't let his son die on that cross just for Christians. What a lot of nonsense that was. That thief on his left-hand side or whichever side it was, he hadn't read the Bible. He had no idea. Today you'll be with me in paradise. What a miraculous intervention that was and continues to be in the lives of the least likely people like the 12 that Christ chose to walk with him. So who are the 12 that God's chosen you to work with today? How can you change the world? And things like these agreements that become political footballs are actually just an opportunity for us to use our imagination, our creative imagination, or these two words that changed me, your prophetic imagination. Whoa, when I saw that, that gave me the permission. And this is Brueggemann, the Presbyterian. He's about 90 now. What an incredible writer. What an incredible thinker. And he put out a book called Prophetic Imagination. And just those two words together gave me permission to read the Bible differently and to believe a lot of things that I thought I was never able to read. And when you start looking at how Māori understand things or how the indigenous worldview is, you realize that the Bible is an indigenous book. It's about different ways of thinking. And when Christ's come, he said, 
guys, you've got it wrong. You're all locked down and caught up in religion and your robes and your rituals and your candles and your bells and your smells. You've missed the point. You're not loving one another. And until you do that, you're anathema. You're whitewashed tombs. So this is our chance to come alive and to get unstuck. Sometimes I find myself stuck and I'm going, I'm not going anywhere. I feel heavy. I've screwed up. That's the end of it. There's no more opportunity for me. And God says, beg your pardon. Sit down. Take it easy. Take a breath. I've got plenty for you yet. And if my mum at 90 can still, she just, her license, she just told me she's got cataracts and she missed her license. So she now walks into town at nearly 90, taking a trolley to go to the supermarket and bring her goods back to home. And then she said, oh, I went a little bit further the other day. I went up Manchester Street and I met some people up there and I told them God loves them. All you need to do is just offer a smile sometimes. That's my mum. She's awesome. I lost my dad a few years ago, but and she was devastated. But now she's coming to her own. That wasn't an end. That was a new beginning for her. I'm so proud of my mum. And, and if it hadn't been for her praying for me, I, pr I probably never would have become a journalist. And so there's a whole lot of stories that each of us have got. We've all got stories and testimonies. And the testimony that we have that comes from God is the spirit of Christ. Isn't it the spirit of prophecy comes from the stories that we share with one another. I was just talking to a friend today. He's not a Christian. I've been honored him for ages. He was a rat bag with me when he was younger and a friend of ours just died and I got the message and I shared it around and I was we were talking about some rat bag stories and I said his sister was able to pray for him the day before he died he's in Australia he was a funeral director ironically he was a rat bag but his sister prayed for him the day before he died and Ian held on to his here's one of those pauses and I said to, to my friend I said Yes, we know he was a rat bag. He also embarrassed me just before I became a Christian. He came to my offices as a, he'd just come out of the Navy and he walked up and very loudly said, praise the Lord, Keith Newman, hallelujah. And I was so embarrassed, but that was one of the steps along the way because he'd just become a Christian. His face was shining. And I managed to tell my friend the story. He said, oh, I didn't know that. So the steps along the way that God gets you and I'm starting to get God. He's big. He's bigger than I ever understood. And he's the God of the universe. He's the one who calls the stars out. And when we look at Matariki, yep, there's a whole lot of stories there, but that's known worldwide, isn't it? Including that indigenous perspective of looking backward into the future. And uh, Matariki is, is, is known as, it's known in Japan, one eye on the future and one eye on the past. Taru. It's that you see it on the Subaru motor cars. This is an indigenous idea. Where have we lost our poetry? We've lost our ability to be able to go, that means something. There's symbol. There's symbolism there and deep truths, deep calls unto deep. The Bible is the source of great depth. It is distilled wisdom. Even Solomon, when he pulls together Ecclesiastes, he's drawing, or he pulls together Proverbs, he's drawing on the great wisdom of the world that we would pull out any of those whakatauki today and people would go, where did you get that from? And the moment you tell them, oh, Solomon and the Bible, they go, oh, shut down. Boy, we got to open up. The world is shut down to so many of the wonderful wisdom 
wisdoms that God has placed in his Bible, we've got to find fresh language to wrap around our gospel that comes from our hearts so people just are full of wonder again about the possibilities for the future because I think a lot of people are in despair. COVID, cyclones, bushfires, a lot of people are going, what is going on? There's no security, there's no confidence in the future, but in Christ there's confidence. We need to come back to that place where we go, I have an inner peace. And sometimes mm. that peace comes from the sword. And you go, oh, that hurts. Oh, no, I'm cut open. Oh, no, I'm exposed and humbled and broken. And then Jesus says, now I can start to work. Now I can start to deal with you because I've dealt with the depth of the pain and the confusion and the, all the things that you've stored up inside of you that you failed to deal with. Now you're getting real. Now you're getting authentic. Now we can move ahead. And the Prince of Peace starts to do his wonderful work by just, uh, just enveloping you in an atmosphere of peace so that when you walk into any situation, you carry something of him. You carry something of the way to it tapu the holy spirit and then we're able to engage in any level in society i can go and stand before councils that have done on many occasions doing what i never imagined i would and just put forward things that i believe need to change and I, for some reason people listen to me now goodness me i never would have imagined that i would have written five books i was just a failure i never made it through high school i got school certificate english just scraped through and maybe art but all these years later, because my mother believed that I should get a job at the one or two evening standard in Palmerston North, I got a chance. I blew it many times, but over the years, God's developed a vision in me to be able to continue to understand history and how it unpacks. And all the stories in there, I believe, are a golden thread that lead to him, that lead to his peace, that lead to his purpose and his way forward. And we're all involved. None of us are aliens sitting in the pew or watching somebody else do it we're all involved we're all engaged here and it's an exciting time to be alive and it's exciting time to watch what seems to be a, a challenging of giving maori or allowing maori to have the promises that were made in the treaty of waitangi in 1840 instead of pushing them off to the side instead of watching that treaty of waitangi disappear into a little metal box in a house that burned down and got saved and then it was moved to another house and then the rats nibbled at it and then finally you get taupotiki wurumu ratana who's one of my favorite people who between the two world wars god got him and said i've called you to restore Māori to their godly heritage as Ihua Onamano or Jehovah of the multitudes to heal them from their land brokenness, to heal them from their physical sickness and to restore them to their heritage. And that included restoring the Treaty of Waitangi. So between him and the head of the Kingitanga movement, they gathered signatures, 40,000 signatures from around the country between the two world wars to ask the government here to restore the Treaty of Waitangi as the foundational document for New Zealand. When he went to England, the politicians here rejected him, but he made prophecies that are extraordinary, including a prophecy that New Zealand Māori would come into their own, and maybe we're in that time again, they would come into a place of prosperity. They would, When the treaty was recognised, when it was honoured, when reparations were made, when we started to see each other for who we really are, rather than two sides of 
uh, afraid to look at each other, something special would happen in this nation. It's an extraordinary story. There's an extraordinary prophetic heritage in Aotearoa going all the way back to pre-Captain Cook when Toiroa said there's a new God coming for Māori, but he is the God of whose son was killed, but still Māori will be oppressed. Hang on, the colonists didn't, haven't even come yet, and Māori were oppressed? Let's not misread that. There are prophetic voices in this nation that have been heard for many generations, and there are prophetic voices now that are speaking hope into this nation and suggesting that it's time to step away from our old ways that have kept us trapped and start to see with fresh eyes, start to see with God's eyes, start to see with the eyes of the Spirit, start to see what's really going on, not what somebody else has told you is going on, not some timeline to the end times that wait for us all to be raptured away. No, we've all got to stay behind and clean up. Oh, sorry. Maybe we do. Maybe this is the challenge. We're here to clean up. We're here to clean up and allow the power of the Holy Spirit to work through us, to look in our own lives, to look in our own families, to look in our communities and say, I'm part of that. Yes, you're set apart to be, but to be ambassadors. Ambassadors for what? For the kingdom of God. The kingdom come. I love that idea that God has a kingdom. It's not empire, it's kingdom. Jesus came Thank to you. challenge empire and said, you keep people in chains. You keep people locked up with your, your controlling ways. This church, this church that's got a hold of people, it's controlling people's spirits. It's dominating over them and it's preventing them from becoming the people that they were called to be, from preventing them from unpacking the God DNA, because we were made in the image of God, sons and daughters. Praise the Lord. Thank so you, there's Kate. time ahead, a wonderful time ahead for us to be engaging in something revolutionary, but to, in order to be engaged in the revolution, we need to get a revelation that God sees things different than the world sees. So if we pick that up and we run with it, the world might be surprised by the creative ideas we come up with or the alternative ways of seeing things or just being us. Gosh, it's fun right. being me. It's fun being us. Rather than going, I wish I was somebody else, you are who God made you to be. And that word of encouragement is do more of being you and don't be afraid to be bold and step out and do those kanohi kite kanohi, those face-to-face -face engagements with people, looking them in the eye and say, I see you. I see Great. you. Because Thank you, Kate. When somebody says something, you go, wow, I so relate to I that. I don't think, can you hear me, Kate? I can hear you. Oh, fantastic. I didn't think you were able to hear me. That's been fantastic. It's just been such a depth of corridor there. And we're at the top of the hour now. And I didn't stop you from speaking because I thought there was such a depth there and a richness there. And what we will do as a team is that after hearing what you've had to speak today, that we will spend time in our own private time with the Lord and consider what has been said and hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to us to embody the words of Christ in our nations here for us in Aotearoa, New Zealand, and for you also in the respective nations that you sit in on this global watch. So, Keith, um, absolutely, we've absolutely been enriched by your cordial today and just loved everything about what you've said there's such a depth in it with the treaty with relevance of what's happening now and the relevance of who ihu karaiti or jesus christ is for us 
as a nation here in Aotearoa, but certainly for other nations. And just the depth of relationship that you carry with Tangata Whenua, the Indigenous people of the land. We respect you and we honour you and we thank you for delivering such a powerful teaching and a powerful word and bringing revelation and knowledge to the forefront. I know that at times and over the years that I've heard you speak with the churches, you've brought an education and enlightenment to the churches, the mainstream churches of New Zealand on the history of our nation, which we thank you for. And we bless you and your whanau and the hard work that it would have taken to do that on the journey with the churches. But we are at the top of the hour and I, what we normally do is have people pray, but what I would ask, Keith, would you like to, would you like to pray for us and close off for us? Oh, Father God, you are awesome. We just thank you so much that you are there, even when we don't feel you, when we don't sense you, that you are there, that you do have a purpose, that you do have a plan, and it involves us. So we thank you, Lord, that you provide that peace when we're in the midst of the storm, that we can trust that you're there, and that we just pray, Lord, that you unpack in us those lost things, those hidden things, those gems that you've placed in our spirits, that they might be that they might come alive, that they might shine, that they might be part of the walls of your new Jerusalem, your huri haraba hau, Lord, that you would give us hope and promise and vision for the future, that we might use the years that we have ahead of us to the best possible way, and that we would be, that we would have that sense of community, not only a global community and a local community, but communing with you. So we just ask impartation of healing and blessing on on everybody that's here today, that they would take away something from your heart in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. 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 Looking at the chats, it's just been a full-on time of richness and a banquet, a full-on hakari. <laughs> Thank you, Keith, for you to, those of you that don't know what a hakari is. It's a feast of the word of God the inspiration of the move of the spirit through Keith Newman sharing with us today that we can go away encouraged on this call and apply what we've heard and consider before God and pray into our nation of Aotearoa New Zealand, but also the global family. So Keith, we bless you. We bless your whanau. Mā te ātua me tō whanau. May the Lord bless you and keep you and cover you and your whanau. The God of heaven and may the Lord Jesus Christ continue to flow through you as we've heard you today. Amen. Thank you, Keith. <laughs> oh, Jutta from Germany's just put your name says it all. You man. <laughs> Very clever, Jutta. Very clever. Thank you, Keith. We'll yes. have you again sometime. Yes, yes, definitely. Yes. God bless you. <laughs> <laughs> bless you. Thank 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 you. Thank